So thank you for being part of my family that helps me in this journey. We're a family and we're journeying together towards Christmas. It's the time of Advent. And, and we've been looking at that incredibly difficult time for the nation of Israel when God didn't speak. Between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament, where for 400 years, God was silent. And, and last week, Richard spoke about God's voice being absent. And um, he was fortunate because he had this button. I wonder if the button will do something for me. Let's see. Oops, okay. I left my cell phone there, so I can't, ow. Ow. Okay. I hope the cameras can adjust. Darkness, darkness. It was fun on Facebook talking to people about darkness and, and when they became afraid of the dark or are they still afraid of the dark. One of the weird things in my journey is I never used to be afraid of heights and as I've gotten older I've become more afraid of heights. I used to be terrified of the dark and now I have no fear of the dark and I don't know what happened. But I do remember when I was afraid of the dark. So I grew up in Vereenigen, okay? So those of you who know where that is, it's all that smoke just south of Johannesburg when you're traveling up to that Vereenigen. But we lived in a beautiful home. We had a very happy family. I was the youngest of four children, parents that loved us. We had a huge, big lawn, so great. There was an orchard at the bottom of our yard. There were chickens and millies, and there was the Vaal River just down the road, and I could get on my bicycle. And, and my home was an incredibly happy and joyful place. I just remember my whole life. Except the passage the passage in my home. It was a normal passage. It, uh, you know, kitchen, dining room, lounge, this end, entrance hall over here. Passage, my sister's room, my brother's and my room, the bathroom, and my parents' room at the end. And it was perfectly fine during the day. It was hundreds, but at night. It was dark. And I can still, to this day, have that sense. I don't know where you feel your fear. I don't know where it is in you. But that passage used to make me feel prickly behind my ears. I don't know why. And as I ran down that passage to, to hopefully make it into my parents' room, to throw open the door, it could be dark in there, but at least they were there. But the passage was just terrifying. gone. I could walk down that passage now, no problem. What's going on? What's going on with the fear of darkness? Because the truth is, darkness actually isn't a thing. 
in itself, it's not a thing. It's the absence of something else. It's the absence of light. And, and I honestly believe that in people's journeys, in terms of the fear of the darkness, there are two kinds of people. People that are or have been afraid of the dark, and people who lie. I'm, I'm convinced that everybody at some point in their journey of life is afraid of the dark. But it's a weird thing to be afraid of because it's actually not a thing. It's the absence of something else. And let's be honest, fear of the dark is, is not explainable. It's, it's something that's not in our brains. It's, it's visceral. In fact, it's not just something that we're afraid of in a physical sense. I mean, lots of us are, lots of people are afraid of the physical dark. But there's all sorts of other darknesses that are very real in our lives. People who suffer, maybe physically or mentally, feel they're in a dark space. On Tuesday morning, uh, uh, Wednesday morning, I made a... Thursday morning. One morning this week, <laughs> I made a video and I walked through our park, you know, when the sun is just coming up and the light is beautiful and warm. And, and it was just so glorious. But I know that there were people experiencing that same beautiful light as I was who feel they were in darkness. Maybe because they're sick. Maybe because there's something broken in their lives, there's a broken relationship. And so this, this fear of darkness isn't just a physical thing. We, we, we talk about being in a dark place, even when all the lights are on. I wonder why. I wonder why it is that darkness is such a big thing for us human beings. You see, here's one of the reasons I think darkness is such a big thing. Not just physical darkness, but mental and spiritual darkness is such a big thing. Because darkness is much more than the absence of light. Darkness, I honestly believe, is the absence of God. That it's not just a physical experience that we have, but the root of darkness is actually not the absence of light, but it is the absence of God. Now, this is the gospel according to peanuts, and if you wonder what that phrase means, this is my theology professor, Rex Matthew, used to say, guys, this is my theory. I can't prove it, but this is my theory. I believe that light was the first physical thing that God created. I believe that light was God giving himself a physical characteristic. Because right in the beginning, we hear this in Genesis chapter one, verse three, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. Now, when you read Genesis, which is an awesome account to read, but quite challenging, because this couldn't have been the night and day cycle created by the sun and the moon and the rotation of the earth, because, because that hadn't happened yet. God hadn't created the sun and the moon yet. That only comes a little bit later on. But, but light is now present. 
And so that's why I believe that this moment where God says, let there be light, God is giving himself the first physical characteristic that human beings can interact with that he will create later on. And so here's this, this picture of actually physical darkness representing God and in a way being God. And I'll back that up with a couple of verses a little bit later on if you're wondering about it. But the Bible carries on talking about somehow light being in the essence of who God is. In the book of Daniel, Daniel is translating uh, a vision and all the other wise men have been terrified to do it because they don't want to get into trouble because they've got bad news for the king. And so Daniel is the one who comes to translate. And he says this in Daniel 2 verse 22. He, he's talking about God, reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells in him. What a beautiful phrase. Light dwells in him. He's not just saying God lights up the room. God you know, makes things lacquer. God shines a light. Light dwells in God. And so I was able, King, to untangle this deep thing that everybody else is struggling with because I'm connected to God and God brought his light into the situation. In 1 Timothy chapter six, Paul is writing to this young um, preacher and he says this, God, he's doing a benediction, the blessed and holy ruler, the king of kings and the lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever, amen. Who dwells or lives in unapproachable light who no one has ever seen. Now, the truth is, people have seen God. I mean, you go and read the Old Testament and there are places where people have seen God. But all of them go, I'm scared. And they should be. Because we can't see God in his absolute essence because we'll be destroyed. And I love the fact that light that provides all the energy in our world, that provides all the, our ability to see, actually in its essence, if we get too close to the sun, we'll burn up. If we get too close to its source, it gives us everything we have, yet in its source, we can't actually approach it. The Bible actually says that God sometimes cloaks himself with darkness. Why? Because, because light is part of the essence of who God is. And so we can, we can have it, we can experience it, but it is something of God that is his alone. And that's why darkness isn't just something that small children are afraid of. It's that too. But we use it so often to describe this incredible thing, maybe not of the absence of God, because 
to be theologically correct, God is never absent. All of God is everywhere, all of the time. He never leaves us, nor forsakes us. However, there is darkness. And so what is that? Perhaps darkness is the experience of the absence of God. We're in this moment where, where it feels like God is not there. I mean, that, that being afraid of that passage was ridiculous. I mean, it was a bathroom. I would go there all the time. There was my sister's room, my brother's, my room. Nothing changed except the lights went out. That's the only thing. And what's going on there? Was I exp- yeah, they weren't boogeymen. They weren't. I never did get scalped as I ran down that passage. Never. What's going on? Well, it's the absence of something that, that I need to function as a human being. I need to know where I'm going. I need to have safety and security around me. And I was experiencing the absence of something. And often, we end up in darkness because we are experiencing the absence of God. Scripture teaches us that this is not an unusual thing. And the Scripture also teaches us is that this isn't just an individual thing. This isn't just something that's limited to you and I as an individual human being. This is something that the world we live in experiences. It's, it goes far beyond just you and I. Listen to what Isaiah chapter 9 says. This is one of those passages that's going to point to Jesus. And it says this, the people walking in darkness. Some translations say the people living or dwelling in darkness. The truth is, we actually do live in a dark world. Not because God is absent, but because people are failing to experience the presence of God. Some because they don't know God is there. Some people because they actively are working against who God is. But the truth is we live in a world, (laughs) watch the news. Isn't it sad that we actually have to have now special niche websites that tell us the good news? You know, you've got to go and look at the good news guys thing. You can't look at the ordinary stuff. Because if you look at the ordinary everyday stuff, you're like... Why? Because the people are walking in darkness. You see, we, we can make this about us. We can make the absence of light or the darkness about us. But that's not what it's about. It's about the world we live in. You see, because there are all sorts of reasons for darkness. One of the reasons the Bible says that darkness is a real thing is because of sin. People experience the darkness of the absence of God because of sin. John 3 verse 19 says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds are evil. Now, but it's, it's true. 
There's all sorts of things. Ah, or you want to keep covered, or secret, or hidden, because if other people saw them, they'd go, no, 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 no. <laughs> That's evil. And we're supposed to be the good guys. Now the truth is, those of us who want to do evil, and, and, and sometimes that's all of us, prefer darkness. That's why things like a free press are not a good thing. That's why things like freedom of speech are not, often not a good thing. Because we want to keep things hidden. And we live in a world where we experience darkness because of sin. Sometimes because of our own sin. Sometimes just because I've done something wrong and I'm experiencing a distance from God because it's something I don't want to let go. But there's an even more pernicious kind of darkness in this world. And that's the darkness people experience because of the sin of other people. I mean, that's what happens in this world. We like to think, well, my sin only affects me. It doesn't. And people sometimes spend their lives walking in spiritual darkness and mental darkness, not because of anything they've done, but because of what other people have done. Think of people who have, have experienced childhood abuse. They often spend a lifetime trying to journey out of the darkness because of something they didn't know, because of something somebody else did. But the truth is that sin creates a very real presence of darkness, not just for us, but for the whole world. The second place of darkness that we see so clearly in Scripture is the darkness of suffering. Sometimes we end up being in a dark place because we are suffering. Job. I love the book of Job. You should read it sometime. It's, it's, it's fascinating. It's complicated and it's amazing. Job, I was going to say wrote the book on suffering, but that's a bit of a tacky phrase. But he says this in Job chapter 3 verse 4. Before I read that, just man, you can read it if you like behind me. Just remember, Job is, loves God. Job has served God passionately. Job, by all accounts, is a good person. In fact, he's good enough that God brags about how good he is, which is quite rare. But then he says this, Let that day be turned to darkness. Let it be lost even to God on high, and let no light shine on it. Do you know what he's talking about? He's talking about the day of his birth. He's in such a, a spiritually dark place that he says, I, I wish that day actually had never happened. And sometimes we end up in a dark place because of suffering. The problem is often we end up, it ends up getting darker for us because we end up feeling guilty about it. And the truth is, if you read scripture and you, you look at people that are in those dark places, they often challenge God. Their words are often, God, where are you right now? Where are you? They don't, they don't go deeper into the darkness. They demand the light. 
And so this morning, if, you, if you're in darkness because of suffering, don't run away from it. Tell God about it. But also remember that that suffering isn't just your suffering. We live in a world where there's an incredible amount of suffering. We live in a world where, where many, many people suffer things that you and I don't experience or experience just in a moment from day to day. And so, so this darkness of suffering isn't just something that's for us as individuals, it's for the world that we live in. And so you get not just individual darkness, but you actually get the darkness of society. The darkness that is in the world around us. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 says this about Jesus. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. Paul is recognizing that this world has spiritual forces called the forces of darkness that are active in this world and that they have dominion over this world right now and that we live in that world and therefore we end up sharing in the darkness of society. And we must recognize that people are trapped in that darkness and it is hard. Why are all of these things so real? Because each of them leads us to think that God is absent. And so, again, this darkness is the experience of the absence of God. And here's what Advent is about. It's about the fact that that's not real. That while we are experiencing that right now, and it, and it feels very real, and in a sense it may be real momentarily, that God, because he is silent, doesn't mean he's not there. Because it feels dark, it doesn't mean that God is not there. The darkness is not actually real, but it feels so incredibly real. So what do we need to do about it? I mean, it's all very well, John. Paint this really dark picture. What must we do about it? Here's what's beautiful is the Bible doesn't stop there. What scripture tells us as followers of Jesus, as we look towards Christmas, scripture tells us, guys, live as people of the light in a dark place. Live as people of the light in a dark place. That's what God calls us to be. That's what God says to us this Advent. Guys, this world is dark. And it's dark for all sorts of reasons and the majority of people think God is not there and so they are experiencing darkness. But you and I are called to live as people of the light. But one of the first things we have to realize is that this isn't all on us. I don't know about you, but remember before ESCOM trained us to be good when the lights went out? Back when we weren't prepared for that, whenever the lights went out, there was always somebody in the house who kept their head. 
And I'll just everybody calm down, I'll go and get the torch. You know? Back then. Here's the thing. It's not our responsibility to get rid of the darkness. That person is here. Because we are not the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. It's not up to us to keep our stuff together, to be utterly prepared. It's not up to us, it's up to him. He is the light of the world. What I love about this, well, let's read Jesus' word. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, Jesus is saying this just after that incident where a woman who was caught in adultery was brought to her, brought to him, and, and they wanted to stone her. They wanted to test Jesus, and Jesus, Richard spoke about it in that silence he writes in the sand, and then he, you know, he says, the first one, throw the stones, and then Jesus just redeems the situation. Then he says this. So in this moment, he's not just talking to his disciples. He's probably speaking to her, somebody who thought her life was over, somebody who was probably abused, somebody who felt they were worthless. But he was also speaking to a bunch of Pharisees who thought they knew everything and wanted to justify themselves and wanted to show themselves off to be more holy. And he was probably talking to some of his disciples and they were probably just ordinary people. And he says this, I am the light of the world. And if you want to be part of that, this is what you do. You follow me. Because if you follow me, you will never walk in darkness because you will have the light of life. I mean, not just you'll have a good light. Not just you'll be able to tell people cool things that they didn't know because you'll know something about the Bible. It's not that. You will have the light of life. That spark that gives to everybody their, their purpose and their direction and their future. But you will not have it because of you, you will have it because of Jesus. So if this, if this morning you're going, eh, I can't, don't give up because you don't have to. You, you have to remember who, who does and who can. That Jesus is the light of the world and he lives in you. Even if you're experiencing darkness right now. Even if you feel like you want to give up. Even like the pain, if the pain is too big or the, broken, the relationships are too broken, he's in you and he's the light of the world. But then you also have to remember this. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. I mean, that's just amazing. The light of the world, the creator of the universe, the king of kings and the lord of lords, looks at you and me in our brokenness and says, you are the light of the world. You and I. That's just incredibly wonderful. 
It's also a bit scary. What should you do about it? As we, as we come into Christmas, what should you be doing about it? You should let the light shine. <laughs> That's what you should do. I love this. Again, this isn't, you don't actually have to do something. You have to not do something. You have to not cover it up. You have to not hide it. You just have to carry it. Jesus says this, a city on a hill, you can't hide it, guys. You can't hide it. It's there. So, you're the light of the world. And as we slow down, and as we start looking towards that light that we're going to celebrate in two weeks' time, I want to invite you to do a few things. I want to suggest that you invite Jesus back in. Maybe, maybe you have to do this for the first time, but maybe you've just let what's happened around you get to you. Maybe it's busyness, maybe it's some tragedy, there's lots. And, and, and Jesus isn't asking you to fix that so that he can come back in. He's just saying, ask me back in, into your darkness. I, I, I don't need you to, you, you, we do that, don't we? We want to fix it up before we invite Jesus back in. This is like trying to tidy the house with the lights off so that when the lights come on, it'll be tidy. <laughs> no, no. So invite, if you're in a dark place this morning because of your own sin or because of suffering, or because, then invite Jesus back into your own space. God, I just need you here. Invite Jesus back into your relationships. Jesus, I can't handle that person anymore. We all, okay. Yeah, we all have those people. And we want to fix it. Let's maybe not try and fix it. Let's invite Jesus back in. But also, let's invite Jesus back into the the light in this lost and hurting world. And that we do by taking the light. That we do by inviting our neighbors, by sharing something over Christmas with friends, by saying this world doesn't need me to come up with some amazing plan to fix the brokenness. What this world needs is this little light of mine, because it's actually not my light, it's Jesus, it's the light of the world. So in a sense, I don't want you to make big spectacular plans for Christmas. I want to invite you to just say to Jesus, let me just, just let my light shine. Just come and bring your light in here and, and help me see some things. And then help me, no matter how small my light is, to take it into the world. Because it's not actually my light. It's you. And you're the light of the world.